Um, so the the question is, um, particularly for people who were not here last week, uh, the topic for the reflections was about uh, aditana, which is a which is a parami, one of the one of the Buddha's perfections, uh, and it's translated usually as determination or resolution, and that uh, that that uh, the Buddha, when he spoke about effort and determination, he uh, always uh, included the encouragement to in order to make effort uh, and to follow through on one's commitment or determination to arouse this desire uh, or through. Because one of the themes last week was um, how we can make a determination. And I found that for myself, it's difficult to maintain some continuity over any period of time. Uh, and I gave the example where, where uh, I had a difficult time maintaining a determination i made publicly for more than about 30 minutes. So it can be tough <laughs> sometimes to try to remember. So to create uh, an interest, desire, uh, a wholesome desire to follow through on a determination is really skillful. So we didn't really get uh, much time uh, last week to talk about how we can go about doing that. And this is a great uh, topic for people to share about what you found if you've, if you've made a resolution determination, uh, how, what have you found to be useful in order to keep it fresh over a period of of, of time, whether it be a day or uh, even a year. So um, does anybody like to share anything that you found useful for, your, for yourself in, in this regard, if it's something you've had experience with? I think one thing, um, I think one that's used quite a bit in the Mahayana tradition is vows. Yes. Right. And so it, it kind of helps you to recall, you know, what your intention is. Yeah. So this is the determination is much like a vow. Are you saying, though, that, that the vow is something where the determination is useful to, to make a ritual to repeat? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So like daily you wake up and you, you actually go over, you recite your vows. Right, and that kind of helps to recall the intention or determination that kind of Great, yeah. So it's, it's used quite a bit in the Mahayama tradition, right? But not, not in the Theravada. So it's just. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah, so, so, and are there particular vows or can you, yeah, you create, create whatever you got? Yeah, so. A lot of the, the ones that exist are like particularly have to do with you know, practice, you know, um, you know, or uh, particularly like Ma Mahayana monks and nuns, they have a set thing that they do every single day. And so like when they brush their teeth, they say, may I 
call forth the intention to do this, but they do that every single day. Right. But it just kind of helps. I mean, um, at least for me, in my experience, if I'm not, if I don't have something set to help me recall it, then it's very easy for me to forget the determination, right? So. So we're not just leaving it to. So what 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 was your name? Andrew. Andrew. What Andrew was pointing out is that in in uh, in Mahayana traditions, then uh, Tibetan and so forth, that that there is a practice of having a vow that one undertakes, and you can choose whatever whatever um, skillful uh, action or state of mind you'd like to cultivate, make that as your vow, and then you'll repeat it, say the first time you get up in the morning, you'll repeat that, or you might create a habit for uh, every, a good example is every, when you brush your teeth, something you do every day, you can repeat that in order to, re, to refresh it. Uh, so yeah, that sounds like a, a really a very skillful, helpful uh, uh, means in order to, to do that. Um, similar to we have our in, in Theravada with, with the frequent recollections that would be repeated every day that, that um, the people of practice in our tradition might do as well. So this creating something that, um, I remember somebody saying, saying to me that every time you pass through a doorway, you know, then you, you can repeat your, your determination or at least come back into a presence. Yeah, great, thank you. Ruby. Um, for me, it's remembering why I made the determination, what the motivation was. Mm. So for example, um, I made a determination to uh, practice gratitude when I wake up in the morning. Uh, and if I don't, but then I remember and I that Oh, I want to do this comes up. I think about why I initially made the determination. And in that case, it's because it feels good to bring gratitude in the as the kind of setting for the day. And so that helps me do it when I feel like I don't want to. Yeah, lovely. I don't know if, if, if you folks can hear what's being said in the room. Uh, so I'll just, I'll, I'll try to um, summarize that. So Ruby was saying that her practice is gratitude and, and what helps her to maintain that practice is like in the first thing in the morning when she's determined that she wants to do it, that to recall the reason why she's undertaken that determination is useful. In this case, for her, she recalls that that resting in a space of gratitude is really uplifting. It feels good, and so reminding herself of that then uh, that that helps her to to yeah. Okay, well let's let's get with it because we know that once we drop into that space, it's going to feel lovely. So that that really is also goes to not only how to remember uh, what one's determination is, but also the question about how is it that we create uh, the desire to carry through on our determination. So if we do pick something that is going to have a pleasant effect, then that has a built-in mechanism for 
creating the desire to follow through on. It's uh, it may be more more difficult um, uh, when one has like for example you take the determination to uh, be present when impatient or impatience arises, and that is is uh, being present when impatient arises it is a determination to be present when there's an unpleasant feeling there. So then you have to be a little more creative perhaps in creating the desire for that, to fulfill that determination, to be aware and present uh, when that occurs. Yeah, Sarah. Thank you. Um, the only thing I would like to add is, you know, for, for me, Zika is always a good reminder. It's always there, it's always in my face. And uh, it, it's a way to, <laughs> I mean, if it doesn't, Yes, thanks, Sarah. So Sarah is saying that simply the dukkha itself, the discomfort, uh, the suffering, the stress, the contraction uh, is reminder enough for her to, that, um, to bring her back to whatever determination, like for example, the, the dukkha that arises from impatience as as a reminder uh, and that you know that is a is uh, I think that's a fairly subtle for you know it's it's surprising uh, to uh, recognize that how how the extent of our capacity to not be present with dukkha that the the greed, hatred, and delusion, when we, the delusion part is so powerful, isn't it? That our, 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 actually we're, we seem to be programmed that when, and when dukkha is present, when unpleasant uh, sensations are pleasant to turn away from them and not go into them. And that's why the first noble truth is the recognition of dukkha and the encouragement to, to know it, to understand it, to go into it. So part of our practice is what Sarah is bringing up, which is our commitment to not turn away from dukkha, to recognize it and use it as, as a reminder of uh, you know, the causes of dukkha and, and not to turn away from that. So once we get more sensitized to it, that's what we're trying to do is become sensitized when, when things are off kilter and we're feeling this stress to become aware of that and then recall that, oh yes, so I'm feeling this dukkha. That's why I undertook this determination to be present when dukkha arises because it's an unpleasant thing. And I'm trying to train my mind like a, you train a child, actually you don't need to train a child not to put its hand on the stove. The, the, the training is kind of in within the action that it's painful. So, but when we tune into that pain of impatience, then, the, uh, the aspiration or the intention is that that in itself will have an effect on our habitual tendencies to gradually uh, turn away from the habit of becoming impatient when things, let's say, are not going our way. So yeah, so dukkha, recognizing dukkha is really, can be very supportive in that way. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, Julie. Well, I was thinking, um 
writing writing something like let go and it's a sign and I'm just putting it on my <laughs> and putting it on my bedroom wall just to sort of you know it's like okay I'm reminding me not to you know trying to be control of things and you know wanting things to go a certain way and realizing that no I want to just need to let you know unfold as they will. And so just something like that, you know, writing it down. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. having a physical present. Yeah. Yeah. So Julie was saying that uh, one thing she finds helpful as an example is she just has the aspiration to be less clinging, more open, um, just to have a sign somewhere that she'll see that says, let go. And so having, having that, uh, that and I, uh, I had undertaken at some point to uh, look, look at the condition of my heart. Was my heart open or was it closed? And I have, I got, at some time in the past, I went to a hardware store and bought a sign that said, you know, one of those things that you, that, that uh, stores have that say open on one side and close on the other side. There's a big sign that has orange lettering in the back black background. So I put that at the, at the top of the, our basement stairs. So every time I go up and it says, it says open as I come up the stairs and I go, oh yeah, that reminds me to, you know, to, to open the heart. Uh, so having that, that physical presence sign is a good reminder in that way. Yeah. Ruby, did you have a follow-up on that? Yeah. I remember um, Ajahn Chinda saying that we need someone who put a sign on their pantry or um, saying it's not in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so Ruby is talking about uh, Ajahn Chinda uh, uh, having a sign, uh, have, having talking about somebody who had a sign on their pantry where the food and snacks were, and the sign said, it's not in here, <laughs> meaning this is not where you're going to find happiness. You know, uh, as a, as kind of a, a, a countervailing uh, uh, lesson. I remember being on a retreat with Sokni Rinpoche, who uh, is in the Tibetan tradition. It was a Dzogchen retreat. And he talked about one time when he was in Bodh Gaya, where the Bodhi tree is and the Buddha uh, awakened, that, that sometimes leaves, well, quite often, leaves will fall down off of the Bodhi tree and then people can scoop them up uh, and, and keep as mementos. And so he told the story of when he was in Bogaya and a breeze came up and some Bodhi leaves fell to the ground and there was a mad dash to pick up the Bodhi leaves. And he himself made a mad dash to pick up a Bodhi leaf and he scooped one up and he thought to himself, wow, this is such craving, you know, just that, that it's so craving. So, so he took when he, he took the leaf home and he, he had it framed. He said, put in a beautiful frame and had it, you know, mounted and, and put up on in his hallway where he passed it every day as a reminder. And he'd go and he, he put it up there and he walked by it and he just remembered, oh, yes, the time, how easy it is to fall in that trap of craving and clinging. And so that every time he passed it, it would be a reminder of that. And then after a week or so, he'd, 
he'd, he'd notice it. Yeah, that's right, I remember that. A couple of weeks, a month goes by, he goes, oh, that's nice. A few months go by, he doesn't even see it. <laughs> So we have to recognize we, we we have to refresh that too. Change the sign, move it somewhere else, or it's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, that and and that's I think what I spoke of last time is that these things um, they have a certain shelf life, and then they need to be continually refreshed. So we have to use our imagination and creativity to say, okay, that's that's worn out. So. I remember uh, Lumpopasano even talking about a certain, certain like you may come up with a practice for a meditation. We're sitting in meditation and we come up with a particular practice and it really engages us for a certain period of time. And it helps the mind to settle because we're so attuned to it. But then he says, over time, it goes away. And we can feel that, oh, this was such an important thing, like, you know, breathing in, let go, uh, or breathing in like energy, breathing out, let go. It seems like it's such an important fundamental practice that we feel like when it, it loses its juice for us that, you know, we just want to cling to that. And he says, no, it's just natural. That's what the mind does. Do something else, pick something else that is different because the mind will get bored. So it's just a natural, you don't need to struggle with that. Just move on to something else. So anyway, so that's, that, it's a good practice though, just, uh, or, or good, a good support. I was, I was gonna say, you know, these physical reminders that people are talking about. Um, I remember Ajahn Joseph Paolo said the first time he went to Wat Bam and they had a, a skeleton in the sala, you know, like they, you know, this tradition uses physical reminders you know, like with recollecting impermanence and death, they have a skeleton in the sala, you know, so. Yeah, Daniel was saying, it's a bit controversial actually when, when Ajahn Chah put that in, in the, the monastery at, at Papapang, um, that there's a skeleton hanging there, a uh, human skeleton, as a reminder, a physical reminder of, as Daniel was saying that, the impermanence of the body and a reminder as the Buddha um, said, we're supposed to recollect every day or many times a day, uh, the recollection of death and contemplation of death. So physical reminder of that can be important. Anybody else? Any thoughts about what they find helpful uh, to refresh and continue a determination we made? have made. One thing I find helpful uh, is being in a group like this. So uh, I have a group where we make determinations and so that we have, we can share that together. And, and so once we make a determination, then there's the, the group as a witnesses of support for us having, having made the determination and with friends like we have in the Dhamma, that we can come there to the group and say, wow, that didn't really go very well. I felt like a complete failure. I forgot about it for like four days and I never written. And so the people that we can share that with us say, yeah, I know what you mean. That really, that happens to me too. And, and, and so that we understand that 
there's a shared experience that we're not alone. And so having Sangha together to talk about our, our successes and our failures, uh, to normalize all that and feel that we're not, uh, we're not by ourselves uh, is, is kind of, can be a really wonderful support. I think that the more opportunities that we take that, um, that reinforce the fact that our practice is not a solitary one, but it's, it's one that we're doing for the benefit of beings and that we need the help of other beings in order to support us in our practice. The more that we can uh, recollect that, then that will help to chip away at our sense of uh, individualism and isolation and separation. So anyway, I find that can be a good support. Amanda. Um, to focus more on curiosity versus striving. Well, focus more on what versus striving? Curiosity. Curiosity. Okay, so, so Amanda is saying to focus, so to, to bring to the determination an attitude rather of striving, uh, which can be uh, kind of, uh, what were the words you used? Uh, alienating to oneself and others. It's just like a, you know, it's, but rather bring an attitude of curiosity. So this goes to the question, I think that Patty, you know, that, that we were raising last year, last week of how do we create this sense of desire? And so curiosity as opposed to striving is more uh, kind of an invitation that we're really interested. It creates an interest in this well, looking at whatever, say, let's take uh, frustration, curiosity into looking at what it is to be frustrated. What causes frustration to arise? Where is it in the body? What does it feel like? Why do we find it unpleasant? That having that sense of wonder or curiosity really can create the desire so, so that it's not, we don't look at it as a chore uh, where we're gonna strive to overcome this really unwholesome and unattractive, unbeautiful characteristic of impatience. But rather we're going to it with an open heart and an open mind. Yeah, thank you, that's quite beautiful. <laughs>